Just while we're in an attitude of prayer, I wonder if you'd lift your hands to the Lord this morning. I want to lead you in prayer and I want to lead you to, uh, to just reach out to God. You know, God is touching each one of us as we purpose in our hearts to gather, as we t- purpose in our hearts to, to worship, then that act of surrender before the Lord invites Him. I wonder if you would invite Him in prayer this morning, say, Lord, have your way in my life. Have your way this year. You know, some of us might be gripped with a certain fear about world circumstances at the moment. And you look and all around you, you see uncertainty through COVID. You see the share prices up and down. You see the world potentially on the edge of an escalating war in Europe. And you wonder, Lord, what does it all mean? Believe the Lord want to get our eyes back on Him this morning as we surrender and we worship to yield to Him and to say, God, would you have your way with me? In the first service this morning, I believe the Lord was showing me that there's somebody with pain that uh, was in there, uh, the right side of their head. And a guy came forward at the end and said, that was me. And he said, and I reached out to God and asked the Lord to touch me. And he said that the healing power of God flowed down his neck and his arm and he's free of pain. Today, there's somebody here, I believe uh, you've got some trouble with your fingers. It's uh, like a rheumatic pain. It's giving you considerable discomfort. You're starting to be given over to the fear of what will this mean for everything I have to do? The Lord's saying, surrender fear. Yield to me in faith this morning. Would you yield before him at your point of need? If you need God to touch you physically with a healing, you need God's blessing on your business, whatever circumstance in life might be causing anxiety or fear, let it give way to faith. Reach out to the God of the impossible, the God of answered prayer. There's somebody watching this service today and you've been feeling unsafe in a relationship. If the Lord was speaking to you today, He'd say He doesn't want you to be unsafe. You need to bring that into the light and talk to somebody trusted and safe to help you with that. There are people God puts around us here to be a resource and a strength to help build the hope and confidence. But this morning, you are here. And if you're watching online, you're gathered before God as one family, a community of faith, that's saying, I want to seize a hold of this year. God, I want to be your child who serves in the company of other people of faith. I want to take a hold of this year. Let it be for your glory. Whatever's holding you back, whatever's frustrating you, whatever's causing fear or anxiety to strike at your heart, yield it to the Lord. Would you lift your hands? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You've called us to be your people, your children who would surrender to you who would worship, who would yield, who would say, God, have your way in me, have your way in us. Let us as a church not just be surrendered on Sundays, but in all that we do, to be a people of God on the advance, bringing the kingdom one life at a time to people who would be transformed and changed from the inside out. Lord, we thank you that so many of us are, but right now, today, I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling with physical ill health, for those who might be struggling with pain in their bodies, or would you minister to them at the point of need? If that's you today, say, yes, Lord, I receive. Just come on as you lift your hands, let it be a gesture of surrender. Say, yes, Lord, I receive healing. That person with the pain in your fingers, just receive it and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're already doing. I receive freedom from physical pain. If you've got relationship difficulties, financial difficulties, say, Lord, I just thank you. Give me wisdom, send people across my path. But Lord, I choose to believe in you today for the miraculous. Thank you, Lord, for your favour. Thank you, Lord, for your touch upon us. Speak to us today through your word, I pray in Jesus' mighty name.
all the people of God said? Amen. It's a powerful word. You're saying, yes, Lord, so be it. I receive from you. Take your seats. If you've got a Bible with you today, wonder if you'd turn to John chapter 15. My name's Rob Nyhouse. My privilege to be here with you today and uh, to return after some time with um, COVID. I think last time I came before uh, the COVID onslaught, there was also a sizable number of people. Maybe some of you remember me from last time. But you know, uh, when I spoke on that occasion, there was a person who came forward at the end of the service and said, I heard what you were saying about surrendering your life to Christ. She said, I haven't been living with him. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you pray with me? And I wonder this morning, if that's something that would characterise your life, sharing your faith with people, inviting them to come to know Christ, people asking you for prayer, people believing that the answer to what they need in whatever sphere of life comes from people like you and me, filled with the power of God who bring answers to a lost, dying, thirsty and hungry world, a world that needs Jesus more than ever before. The message of repentance of the gospel, of turning the other direction to follow God, turning from sin and self-reliance, an independent life of our own personal choices and saying instead, Lord, I run to you. It needs an act of re-surrender sometimes as we've been singing this morning. It also needs some intentionality in our hearts about what our lives are going to stand for. It needs the purpose in everything we do to say, Lord, I choose to make it all about you, to be Lord of all and not just Lord of some. What are people looking to you for this week? Because you are the only answer that Jesus brings to the lives of some people that I will never meet. And is your purpose clear? Is the call of God on your life stirring and burning inside of you as much as it's always done before? Is it possible that sitting here today, we'd be a people who despite all that God has done, despite the belief in his miraculous power, would still be given over to fear? Well, we're human. And we often see with the eyes of the physical realm rather than seeing with the eyes of faith in the spiritual realm. Rather than living by faith as God calls us to, it's very easy to be swayed by circumstance. Some years ago, I was talking to my accountant on the phone and he seemed more animated than usual. That's something you would notice with an accountant because many accountants, in my experience, have not been particularly animated. Any accountants here today? Sorry, I'm not talking about you. This guy, clearly something was wrong and I asked him what it was. He said, yesterday, I went out for lunch with my wealthiest client. He picked me up in his sports car and he took me for a very fast ride to lunch. He opened up on the highway, he says, and I was, to be honest, I was dead scared. I thought he's going to kill the both of us. And I looked across the table at him at lunch and it occurred to me, here's a person who thinks he's bulletproof, so successful in life that he's got everything, so confident in himself, thinking, well, yes, what are you getting at? He said to me, I turned on the news this morning. The very same car I rode in yesterday was wrapped around a tree on the side of that same road. 
He'd gone out with somebody in the car to show off to her. He opened her up again and that car totally destroyed. Both of its occupants, lives lost. The accountant sitting there on the end of a phone and saying, I think I've dodged a bullet. I knew this man had been in church many years before. I knew he had been faithful, but he'd strayed from God. He wasn't going to church anymore. Jesus wasn't the center of his life. And I seized a golden opportunity to remind him, you didn't just dodge a bullet. I said, there was somebody watching over you. There's somebody who's given your life a purpose. It's calling you to use the years on this planet to make a difference for his glory. What about you and me sitting here today? Is your attention given over to the BBC? Perhaps to your share portfolio and its relative fortunes from day to day? What gives you certainty and confidence the most? Because as you picked yourself up and gathered your belongings and got into the car and came to this church service, those of you at home, you've taken the time out of your schedule when you didn't have to and you've chosen to connect because there is something inside of you that is longing for God and longing to make a difference, longing to find your purpose. But when we go through the motions of faithfulness, there is something still missing. And is there not a wake-up call in this moment and at this time where God's trying to arrest our attention and say, yes, there is more. And I want it for you today. I want it for you this week. I want it for you to be my mouthpiece, to be the one who would reach out and see those key people in your life depending on the answer that you have for you to step up and bring it to them. Is God calling us today simply to be faithful? Or is he also calling us to be fruitful not to feel guilty when it's not working not to feel that you're coming to church to get beaten up on each week because somehow it's not good enough to recognize instead no we gather as the people of God to cry out to him for more and to partner with him in our daily lives in the power of the spirit of God who he gives to us to see that our faithfulness is a context in which God wants more. He wants us to reach out. He wants this to be the year of his favour brought to the lives of people who are so dependent on what you bring this week. And will you say yes to him? See, this is a deceptively complicated and yet also deceptively simple question. Is it okay just to be faithful? Or is God perhaps calling us to be fruitful some would sit here and say I think it's both but we shift the goalposts when there's a lack of fruit in our lives when we're not winning people to Christ when you can't recall the last time you prayed and saw a miracle when God's blessing and favor isn't appearing in the way that you want when the prayers aren't being answered in the time that you want it's okay to say but Lord I'm faithful when I work with young leaders, I ask them to look at the way they spend their time to chart every one of the 168 hours of the week. And confronting their, them after they've done this exercise, if they've done it honestly, is some truth about their real priorities, 
and what they give their time to, irrespective of what they might otherwise say. Then we look at a January to December budget, an honest budget, not about how they would like to spend their money, but about how they actually do spend it. There's another confronting piece of evidence that irrespective of what comes out of our mouths sometimes, it highlights how we actually spend our money. And if we say, I'm faithful and I can prove it, see, I give money to the church. I give my time to serving. The context is good and it's godly and it's commendable. But is it enough? Because if there's a context for our lives whereby we could demonstrate faithfulness and there is something lacking inside, the lack of that urgency to propel the gospel, the lack of satisfaction that we have found our purpose and we are stepping up and serving God, then God's call is beyond the faithfulness to say, yes, I want you to be fruitful. And if you would reach out today and partner with me, I am the answer to what is missing. And as we look at John 15 now, we see the words of Jesus, who in his call not just to be faithful people, as good as that is, in his call to also be faithful children of God who are fruitful, we see some exciting keys that we can lay a hold of today to make this perhaps the greatest, most successful, most focused, most rewarding year that we have ever lived. Let's start in verse 1, John chapter 15. It says, as it comes up on the screen, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. God is the gardener. Jesus the vine in this story. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes these branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus' unmistakable call to us is to produce fruit. Some of us need to repent today for our failure to obey the Great Commission and to bring the fruit that this passage says glorifies and honours God. 
And I'm not suggesting that that's true of everyone. Many of us are trying to bear fruit. But the passage gives us keys. First, we need the intent, of course, but then we can absorb some keys if we're trying, we're seeking to be fruitful. If we're connecting with God, what is it that's holding us back? Let's look at verse 2 for starters. The first key that we need to remind ourselves of is that followers of Jesus are called to be fruitful, not just faithful. You need to be convicted in your heart of hearts that God wants you to be fruitful and not just somebody else. The person that you connect with tomorrow who's complaining of pain in their elbow might need you to pluck up the courage to pray for them because maybe God is not sending somebody else. Maybe the people who need Jesus need you to be willing to articulate your testimony. Work on sharing that story. Make it concise. You may not get much time. But don't just share a story of how wonderful the church is, as wonderful as the church is. Tell them about how wonderful Jesus is and what he's done for you. If you don't have a story, get on your knees and cry out to God and say, Lord, bring back to my memory those things that you've done. Take some time out to craft your personal story that will inspire others about what God has done for you. That's not hard, is it? But isn't it challenging? Who are the people that you need to be praying for this week? It's interesting that this passage is not just saying that we are to be fruitful. It's saying that God so wants us to be fruitful He's prepared to cut off some parts of our branch that might be getting in the way. Ouch. The great gardener God is bringing his secateurs out to cut away some of the things from our lives that are holding us back from fruitfulness. And if we're not immersed in the word of God, we've been maybe struggling in our prayer life. It would be very easy to reach out in prayer at a point of desperation if you're facing trouble or adversity. For example, let's say that at work, things are not going well. You're facing a little bit of opposition. Maybe there's some challenges. Maybe there's some financial uncertainty. And you're wondering, well, maybe God, you didn't put me here. This is not what you want. After all, I'm your child. I'm supposed to be blessed. You start looking at websites and papers to see what jobs are out there somewhere else. It's very natural and understandable. But have you prayed and sought what God wants to do? Has God not put you in a certain context to be his mouthpiece? Are there not people that are there maybe tomorrow that are needing you to say something about the gospel? And if you're not allowed to, if you feel there are restrictions... Well, you can go away and pray like crazy. Some of you can use your lunch hour to catch up with someone and legitimately talk to them. Love on them, but with some encouragement about God's plan for their life. Some of you can go home and you can find some time to pray about the needs that you heard about during the day. But the pruning that God wants to exercise is also about recognising that some of the fears and uncertainties, 
Some of the attitudes that we harbour about our life context are not godly. They're not grounded in faith. We're seeing with the eyes of circumstance, our physical sight. The Lord wants us to lift our eyes and see further, to see with the eyes of faith. Last year, just at the onset of spring, had a couple of trees that were overgrown. I paid $500 for somebody to cut them right back and cut he did. It looked almost like it was perhaps too severe. There's a moment of angst, have I paid too much? Have I got the right product? But now I look at them again and it's almost as if I shouldn't have bothered. They've grown back and flourished. Now I'm going to have to spend $500 more to get him to do it again. There's an important principle here. That when you think the pruning is doing damage, when it hurts, when God is cutting things away, those attitudes of the heart, those typical responses, it's because he wants you to be fruitful and the fruit often comes quickly. God replenishes and grows even more than what you could think or imagine. But we don't like pain. We don't always want to hold back on telling God what we think he should do for us, how he should bless us and answer our prayers. And sometimes rather than complain about our lot in life, sometimes rather than worry or go to a place of stress and anxiety about what's not working, God deliver me, just pause. Just reflect and think, God, what are you trying to teach me here? And as you open the word of God, allow him to speak to you and communicate some fresh thoughts. It takes us to verse 4. The second key here to being fruitful people is not just recognising that he calls us to be fruitful and not just faithful, but secondly, followers of Jesus are fruitful when they remain in him. And there's a joint partnering of Jesus remaining in us as Lord of our lives, as the shepherd of our heart, and us remaining in him. To be in Christ is to have the identity of Christ, not to see yourself the way you once did. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creation when we're in Christ. We're not just an improved version of the old self with Jesus in our corner. We're a brand new creation who live in him. We read the Bible and what it says about our destiny, about our purpose, about the blessing and favour of God. And it's God's will toward us. The Old Testament is the old will of God. The New Testament is the new will of God. As we read it, we see the will and favour of a God of covenant relationship who says, I want to be your father who blesses and loves on you. God spoke to an Old Testament king through a prophet and said, the Lord's eyes are searching throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are committed to him. Your commitment to the Lord is maybe demonstrated partly by turning up here, partly by engaging in worship. Important context. But to move from being faithful to also being fruitful, we need to remain in Jesus. 
and remain again tomorrow morning as you open this book up because Jesus says in this passage that his words are to remain in us. You want Jesus in you. He doesn't just come in your heart as a metaphor, but he enters your life through the agency of his word, which builds faith. Romans 10, 17 says that it is the revelation of God's word, which is the source of your faith to believe. And if you're lacking faith to trust in God for outcomes, get into the word. If you're lacking that feeling of connection with Jesus, get into the word. He cannot be divorced from his word, but he sends it forth with the power of God backing it to accomplish that which it's sent out to achieve. That as you launch that prayer, uh, the, the word of God in prayer, as you speak it over situations, there's the power of God being released for change. Let me give you an example. I was praying for a lady whose nephew had been uh, struggling with drug addiction. He'd been drinking and she'd been praying desperately for him to come to faith for 10 years. And she approached me with tears and she said, I've been praying earnestly. And I'll be honest, there are times I've been discouraged that I've lacked faith. But I have been faithful. And I said, maybe this shows I'm a little too Dutch sometimes. I said, yeah, you're faithful, but are you really faith-filled? She said, what do you mean? And I said, I'm hearing desperation, faithful. That's good. It's godly. It's a wonderful start, but there's something missing. Said every time you launch into prayer, you are trying to launch an onslaught against what the devil is doing to keep your nephew from Jesus. Yes, she said, that's right. Said, but you're firing a gun with blanks in it. You need to put some faith bullets. Move from being faithful to being faith filled. And find some bullets from God's word where its power is launched in the heavenlies over your nephew's life and see what God will do to arrest his attention. She said, what do you mean? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, when you read the Bible, how do you read it? Now, there's a problem that she wasn't reading the Bible too much. But when she was, she said... She was struggling with the big words and the concepts. I said, no, no, don't do a Bible study here. That's, that's a separate process. I'm asking you how God speaks to you. I said, here's what I do. Open the Bible. I pray that the Holy Spirit who wrote it would arrest my attention. He would speak words of life to me. And as I read into it, some of the problems I'm facing, some of the circumstances of the, of the day ahead, God begins to lift the words off the page. He gives me some ammunition and I then pray it over the situation. It's like I'm launching a weapon against what the devil means for harm. I'm turning it around for good and I don't always get the answers I want. I don't always get them in the timing that I want. But my job is to be faithful and fruitful by being faith-filled. She went away a little bit sceptical, but with a couple of examples that I gave her. 
I said, for example, in Titus 2.11, says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared everywhere to everyone that includes your nephew. So the God's not willing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. She got the idea. She went away and she prayed differently this week. And she prayed that God would get a hold of her nephew's life on the basis of what she was reading in the word of God, which was his truth revealed to her. He became a Christian that week. I can think of similar examples of somebody who witnessed the miracle and his mother challenged him and said, God healed your grandmother. You need to get to church. I'm not going anywhere near your church, she said. But she was faith-filled, not just faithful in the way that she prayed. And in so doing, she demonstrated the fruitfulness of a woman of God as she spoke to her son. She said, I'm praying for you. And she went away with the scriptures and said, Lord, thank you for what you're revealing. Thank you that you've called my son not to perish, but to have everlasting life. And a few days later, he said, Mum, I've been thinking about what you said. I think I will come to your church after all. He came that Sunday and I preached a message like this and I asked if anybody would like to respond and give their lives to Christ. Yes, please, I would. He married into that church. He's gone on with God today. It's not hard. It's not hard for you to be a fruitful child of God. But go from just being faithful to being faith-filled. As you connect with a Jesus Christ who is Lord and not just Saviour, who is inseparable, inseparable from his word. A Jesus who is able to breathe life into it so that you can then pray it over circumstances and dare to believe that although you can't control the outcomes, that the outcomes increase more and more when you exercise your faith. Finally today, as we look at this passage, moving to verse 6. Verse 6 says that if we don't remain in him, we're thrown away like a useless branch. This is a very strong challenge to us. We face an eternity separated from God if we do not find connection with the vine, Jesus Christ. We're called to be redeemed from a life of sin. Sin in the Bible is not the actions like drinking too much or using profane, profane language. Those things flow from a heart that chooses to distance ourselves from God. And you can be a faithful Christian in some areas of your life, going through the motions of seeming to do the right thing. But if the choices you're making are pulling you away from God, you're not immersing yourself in Scripture. You're not praying. You're not sharing your faith. You're not giving your time and your resources. There's an inner heart attitude that's turning the other way. And the call here is to turn back to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. It's a call that he has for you today to respond. I mentioned 2 Corinthians 5 before and it goes on in verse 21 to say that God sent Jesus Christ who knew no sin. He was perfect because he was God. 
He didn't have to die for his own life, so he could die for yours. And God sent him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Because in addition to being fully God, he was fully human and he could substitute himself in our place. And it goes on to say that it was that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. There's that identity again. In him. A life that is in the vine. And we run a grave risk when we pull away from God. When we choose to respond to things not working as if to blame God and find some other way. There are kings in the Old Testament who model to us people who started out with faith, who had people in their corner, who were supporting and encouraging them. But ultimately it was their choice to pull away from God that led to their rebuke. And it's the choice of any of us to pull away and make excuses that runs the risk of an eternity of separation from God. And the call to us today is to repent and turn back to him. Jesus needs to be Lord, not of some parts of our lives, but of all of them. And come what may and whatever circumstances might prevail, there's a church of wonderful people here who can support you. You reach out and partner with others. Be the mouthpiece of God, the voice of hope and purpose to help them get inspired long before you start expecting it for yourself. As you give out, as you sow, as you purpose to live for God and do it differently this year, watch and see what starts coming back in response to your faith. As I close now, I just want to point out finally in verse 7, it's very interesting that if Jesus' words remain in us, if we are living by faith, if we are laying a hold of what God is speaking to us, it's then that we ask anything you want and it will be granted, Jesus says. And even if it is not, and even if we don't see the miracle when we want it, could you dare to believe this year that as Jesus' words remain in you, as you remain faithfully committed to what God is saying day by day about your life, you would see faith rise up in your heart, that you would see that you move from just going through the motions to having excitement resurface inside, that you'd be a follower of Jesus Christ for whom the hallmark Jesus said was obedience to his word. Would you let this transform you this week? I wonder if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes, I'd like to lead you in prayer and believe that there's some people here today, people watching online that need to draw a line in the sand. People look at your life and would probably say that you're a faithful Christian. And you know, deep down, that's only true of some parts of your life. You know, God is calling you to surrender. God is calling you to the obedience to his word as a disciple. He's calling you to read and say, Spirit of God, would you speak to me? He's calling you to launch the prayer bullets the faith bullets in your prayer gun. He's calling you today to be the person who would make a difference in the life of that person in your workplace who needs Jesus. He's calling you to pluck up the courage and get out of your comfort zone and pray for healing and miracles. He's calling you to dare to believe that when you give generously, extravagantly, that God can more than compensate. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, 
for everyone gathered here, for everyone watching online, this will be a moment of transformation because we purpose in our hearts to do life differently. We purpose to be a children of the living God, a, a, a group and a family of children who would say yes to the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. We choose, Lord, to be a people today who would lay a hold of your word as it's revealed to us and seize a hold of it and live by faith to start seeing the fruit come, the answers to prayer that change lives around us. And if there's anybody here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never truly surrendered to Him, if you've never known what it is to repent and say, Lord, I choose to turn 180 degrees away from my old life and don't leave this place without coming forward and identifying yourself, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And if you're living for Him today, if you're saying, I want Him, I want to know Him, I'm in church because I love Him, but things haven't been going right, say, Lord, I choose to do it differently this week. I choose to take responsibility and stop blaming others for what they haven't done. Lord, we thank You. Thank You for this church. I thank You for a loving pastor and a team who are available and want to help the growth to happen, to surge forward this year. I pray that You'd bless every person who purposes in their hearts to serve the living God today. Let us be a faithful people who are also fruitful and let it be for your glory we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.